Good morning. We have another opportunity to invite the Spirit of God to speak to us today as we listen to the letter to the Church of Smyrna. And as you sing this with me, you'll notice that it begins and ends the same, but with every church, what Jesus promises to those who are faithful changes according to what they need. So every week as we sing this, be ready for those middle words to be different. And so now I just invite you to sing with us um, the words of Jesus to the church at Smyrna. He who has he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Be faithful unto death, and I will give to you the crown of life. Whoever conquers will not be harmed by the second death. She who has an ear, let her hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the angel of Smyrna, in the church of Smyrna, write, These are the words of him who is for the first and the last who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ear, let the Spirit, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who's victorious will not be heard by the second death. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Be faithful unto death, and I will give to you the crown of life. Whoever conquers will not be harmed by the second death. Who has an ear, let her hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we pray now that you will give us those ears that hear, that we will know to not be afraid should we find ourselves in Smyrna. In Jesus' name, amen.
So we're continuing today with our fall series entitled Candles. I want to thank Pastor Steve for uh, speaking for us last Sabbath, a very special event last week, and, and based on the number of you who actually came here, I'm going to guess a whole lot of you went to this special event, the 150th uh, anniversary of the beginning of Adventist Health Ministries, and uh, uh, it was a very wonderful program that the folks from Florida Hospital and AHS put together, and uh, a good event for the entire community. So I hope you were able to be a part of that, and we thank them for that. But now we're back, and now we're focused again. Now, you'll recall that with uh, this series, we're also preparing small group studies. And if you've been meeting with your group, you know we've, uh, we've studied uh, for the church of Ephesus, and then we did a supplemental study. Uh, we studied Smyrna, and then we did a supplemental study just in case your group kept meeting. But this next week, the studies are ready for the church of Pergamum, because that's what we're going to talk about next Sabbath. And you can find copies of those uh, in the lobbies here. And it's also on the church website. So look for those, and you'll have that. We're focused on the first five chapters in Revelation, specifically on the seven churches in chapters 2 and 3. We've talked about the vision in chapter 1 and the church of Ephesus. But today, for our service, we're going to focus on the church in Smyrna. And let me just start by saying this. If you could choose... You would want to choose to be the church in Ephesus, not the church in Smyrna, because who in their right mind would choose persecution? Which brings us to a subject we've wrestled with here before, this idea that God wants me to be happy, right? Well, ultimately, yes. God wants you to be happy. But too often we confuse God's ultimate intention of happiness for us with our current inclination of what we think would make us happy. Now, this mistake is understandable and even forgivable, forgivable, but if this is our mentality, this is not a mentality that's going to serve us well whenever we find ourselves living in Smyrna. Do you think you could live in Smyrna? It's Sabbath morning, and Sabbath morning is notorious. I guess we're a little after afternoon now, but it was Sabbath morning a little bit ago, and Sabbath morning is notorious for being anything but smooth sailing in an Adventist home. Somebody always gets up late. Something was left undone that we forgot about. And we have to hastily pull it together before we leave the house. And just when it looks like we've finally got everything in order, little Billy spills the milk or little Susie runs outside and gets grass stain on that brand new white dress. Or mom's tights get a run in them. Or dad can't get his tie right and he's on his fifth time. Or he can't find his shoes or he got mad about something that got posted on Facebook overnight by one of his friends or some other exceptional hardship that we deal with every Sabbath morning. And too often the ride to church is tense because once again we're running late. And for whatever reason, the road seems full of idiots (laughs) on this blessed Sabbath morning. I get it. 
You face many hardships on your way here today. I get it. But how impressive is our list of hardships? How impressive does it appear when we compare it with the hardships of some of our brothers and sisters in other places, what they faced this morning, this Sabbath morning? Like the ones who walked barefooted for multiple miles to meet in a church that's little more than a roof, complete with a dirt floor and completely free of walls. I don't think many of them got up this morning and checked the church web page to see who was speaking to see if they wanted to walk a few miles to a different church that's just a roof with a dirt floor and no walls. I don't think that was a big deal to them. You see, going to church in Smyrna is different than going to church in Ephesus. How about those who got up early this morning and had to slip out of the house undetected because of some tyrannical persecutor in their home who has forbidden church attendance? Or what about the Christians in Syria today? For example, in Aleppo this morning, who yesterday the ceasefire broke down and they faced once again bombs falling on their city. used to be a city of two million people. And if the randomness of bombs isn't enough to scare you, how about living really close to ISIS extremists who will cut your head off for being Christian? You see, going to church in Smyrna is different than going to church in Ephesus. But we don't have to go completely around the world to find folks that are living in Smyrna. How many of you here today, how many of you here today held coming to church to worship with your family and friends today as your highest hope for the week, and yet when you woke up this morning, you were still too sick to make it in? How many of you were not able to make it today? Oh, wait, no, you made it, didn't you? We take it for granted, don't we? What a privilege it is to be here. There's people home right now who weep over what we take for granted. Going to church in Smyrna is different than going to church in Ephesus. How, you ask? Well, if you have ears, then hear. Revelation 2, verse 8. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Now on the face of it, if you were just looking on a map or or looking there in person, Smyrna would seem a very nice place to live. But things aren't always as they seem, are they? We've been talking about the seven churches, and we have a picture here. You can see those seven boxes on there. Sorry, you guys can't see those, but uh, there's seven boxes there. Those go around the uh, seven churches in the province of Asia, and that box down in the corner on the left, that's the Isle of Patmos. That's where John is. Now, Ephesus was the closest city to where John was, so that's that first box there on the left. And then right above it is Smyrna. That's where Smyrna was located. Smyrna was a wealthy and beautiful city. And if you can kind of see looking at the map, it's kind of at the end of a long bay there. 
It was a wealthy and beautiful city during the days of the Roman Empire and during the days when John was writing in Patmos. In fact, the city was sometimes called the glory of Asia. Now, Asia is that province there. We think of Asia as the whole continent, but back then, Asia just meant that province there. And it's thought that Smyrna was the birthplace of the famous Greek poet Homer, who wrote the Iliad and the Odyssey. And all of this awesomeness was actually Smyrna's primary problem, at least from the standpoint of Christians. Ancient Smyrna was such a great place that today there's a whole other city that sits on top of it. You see that yellow line on there outlined around? That's the ancient city of Smyrna. It's completely covered up by the modern Turkish city of Izmir. This is such a good place to live. People still live there. Now, it's kind of interesting, the modern name Izmir. I believe it comes from, from Smyrna. You know how language kind of shifts over time? You know how that happens? So you got Smyrna, and everybody says Smyrna, Smyrna, Smyrna. And then you get those people who like to put a little vowel in front of an S. You know who you are. So they say, Izmyrna, Izmyrna. And pretty soon you lose the A, Izmyrna. And before long you lose the N, and you got Izmir. This is what happens to words, the names of towns. We'll see it again next week. It used to be Pergamum, now it's Berga. These things happen. Time passes. There's an artist's rendition of what this city used to look like. That's beautiful, isn't it? Right there on the bay, got a little harbor there. You can look across. The Romans thought it was a good place as well, and they built it up and made it a center in that region for all things Roman, including a center, and here's the problem, including a center for the civil religion of Rome, which was emperor worship. Once each year, everyone in the city of Smyrna was expected to offer incense on an altar in honor of the highest king and the highest lord, Caesar. But that's a problem for Christians, isn't it? Because who's the highest king and the highest lord for Christians? It's Jesus. And after you offered your incense, they gave you a certificate that indicated you have done your exercise of loyalty to the state, and therefore you will be allowed to live and prosper in this beautiful place of prosperity. But if you didn't, you would be shunned, you'd lose your business, and you'd end up very poor. Is it any wonder the message says, I know your affliction and your poverty? We have a picture of some ruins of one portion of the city that's left uncovered today. You can see it was quite a place. There was a sizable Jewish population in the city of Smyrna, and this may very well account for the language in the message that refers to the synagogue of Satan. The issue was this. Judaism was a recognized religion in the Roman Empire, and because of its rules, the Romans didn't force anyone who was officially a part of the Jewish religion to necessarily have to sacrifice uh, to, to offer the incense to the emperor. They got a pass on it because they were a part of an official religion. And for a time, Christianity was viewed as a subsect of Judaism. And as long as that last, it lasted, 
The Christians didn't have to do the sacrifice either. But as the rift between the church and the synagogue grew, the Jews began to denounce the Christians as anything but Jewish, and they lost their immunity and were forced to make the sacrifice. Does it bring meaning to the idea of being slandered by those who say they are Jews but are not? and by whose testimony now your life is at stake? The experience in Smyrna, as compared to Ephesus, reveals that the situation on the ground can be very different between two places that aren't that far apart. You see on that map where they are, one is just a little ways north of the other. In Ephesus, the believers were relatively unmolested, while in Smyrna, even as early as the writing of the book of Revelation, persecution of believers had already begun. To be a believer in Smyrna was to face, on a daily basis, suffering and affliction. And so I ask you again, have you lived in Smyrna? Jesus has a most stark message for the people in Smyrna. It's found in Revelation 2, verse 10. He says, this is what he says, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. He doesn't say, hey, you know, it might get a little tough for some of you. He doesn't say, you know what, pray earnestly and maybe you'll be able to avoid persecution. No, he doesn't say that. He says, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. You see, here's how it is when you're a believer. Sometimes, sometimes everything works together. And sometimes it looks like there's trouble, but there's this miraculous deliverance and you escape the trouble and you don't go through the suffering. That happens, right? It's happened to me. I've been there. But here's the thing. Sometimes that's not what happens. Sometimes you just have to plow through. There's two big points to understand here. First of all, sometimes, as believers, we're going to suffer. But the second point, when it happens, we don't have to be afraid. Revelation 2, verse 10, Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. So I ask you again, have you ever lived in Smyrna? Or maybe better, are you living in Smyrna right now? If you find yourself in Smyrna today, here's the word I have for you. Jesus says, don't be afraid, even if living in Smyrna kills you. Because there's something that matters much more than suffering the first death. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute, but let's make this real. Our sister Bernice Karuba and our brother John Bullock have both been living in Smyrna up until this week. They've been suffering. 
I know John's been suffering for the last three years after he got his diagnosis and his treatments, and, and it's one of those deals where you like to think you're going to get stronger every day, but with John, no, it went the other way. He got weaker every day, day by day. It's hard to live in Smyrna. But here's the thing about both Bernice and John and their sojourn in Smyrna. They were faithful to the point of death. And now their suffering is complete and they are resting peacefully. A minute ago, Wayne was up here and he told us about some of these kids who live every day of their life in affliction and in poverty. They wake up every morning in Smyrna. In fact, they don't even know there is an Ephesus because all they've ever lived in is Smyrna. Christians in ISIS-controlled lands wake up every morning in Smyrna. Of the two churches we've considered so far, I think we would have to say far more of us in this room today live in Ephesus than live in Smyrna. We've got all kinds of good things and we're doing all kinds of good programs and, and, and we're working at it and we're faithful and we guard the doors. Okay, yeah, maybe our hearts got a little cold. But we didn't wake up with an expectation of persecution, did we? But the word of Jesus to everyone in Smyrna is this, do not be afraid. Why? Why would we not be afraid of a situation that could take our life? Well, here's the short answer. Jesus. Here's the longer answer. Why should the reality of Jesus make us not afraid if we're living at death's door or in abject poverty or in a land of persecution? In short, why does Jesus help when I'm living in Smyrna? Why does Jesus make me not afraid? Well, here you go. It was in what Jesus said at the very beginning when he gave the message to the people in Smyrna. He said, I am the first and the last. What that means is no matter how ugly it is in here, Jesus was before it and Jesus will be after it. And no matter how unfair the judgment in the middle, you can count on Jesus at the end to make a righteous judgment for the saints. So go ahead, persecutors, do your worst. Your judgments are temporary, and one day the righteous judge will come. And on the day that the righteous judge comes, it will not be the meek who tremble that day, but instead it will be the tyrants and the abusers and the, oppressor, and the oppressors who will be running for the hills at the face of Jesus, crying out that the rocks would fall on them to hide them from the righteous judge. Never forget this reality. Jesus as judge will often seem scary to those who live indulgently in prosperity. But to the oppressed, Jesus as judge is the only hope. 
When you live in Ephesus, Jesus as judge might scare you because his presence means that you're going to have to stop being so cold-hearted and self-centered. Do you remember his words? Repent or I'm going to have to take this candle away. Jesus' judge might seem scary in that context. But when you live in Smyrna, facing persecution every day, facing weakness and suffering every day, Jesus' judge is your only hope. Well, what else? Why else, when we live in Smyrna, does Jesus make us not afraid? Well, it's in the other thing Jesus said. He said, I was the one who was dead, but now I'm alive forever. And you go back to, verse, to chapter 1 and it says, and I hold the keys, Jesus says, to death and Hades. You see, the reality of life in Smyrna is that living in Smyrna may very well cost you your life. But the life you can give when you live in Smyrna, well, that's just the first time you die. And that's, that's not the problem. It sounds kind of strange, doesn't it? This idea of a first death. But experience alone teaches us at least the first part of what Hebrews 9.27 tells us. It says, it is appointed to all men to die once and then face judgment. So there's nothing novel about this idea of a first death. It happens all the time. And sometimes death itself comes as a rescue to those who live in Smyrna. But those who die the first death, they're not supposed to be afraid because the loss of the first death is temporary, awaiting the day of judgment. Recall the Jesus who is the first and the last, the Jesus who was dead and is now alive forevermore. It is not those who face the first death that are in true danger. Rather, it is those who die the second death, the death that comes after judgment. Those are the ones who face eternal loss. And make no mistake, if you live in Smyrna, there is a real good chance that you're going to face the first death. And I suppose in this sense... We are all destined for a sojourn in Smyrna someday. But to you, Jesus says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. So what is the promise to those who live in Smyrna? Verse 11, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. That's what matters. And that's why you don't have to be afraid when you live in Smyrna. Of the two churches we've considered so far, far more of us live in Ephesus than in Smyrna. But just because you woke up in Ephesus this morning doesn't mean you're going to lie down there tonight. 
Yet even if the course of your feet this day take you through the valley of the shadow of death, what does the psalm tell us? I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. If you find yourself in Smyrna today, the message to you is simple. Jesus says, don't be afraid. Why? Well, these are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. So here's what I can tell you. It's going to be tough sometimes. And what you may not realize as you're happily living in Ephesus is that someone close by to you may be living in Smyrna today. So maybe have a little mercy. Maybe have a little compassion. The same mercy and compassion you would long for if you were in Smyrna today. It's going to be hard sometimes, but if we trust Jesus, we will overcome. And Jesus will reverse the wrong and undo our dying, and we will live forever with him and all those who have lived and died in Smyrna yet never lost their hope. You want to be counted with those people? You're going to have troubles. You're going to spend time in Smyrna. But don't be afraid. Trust the Lord to the point of death, and he will give you life as your victory crown. Let's pray. Father in heaven, We thank you for the days we haven't spent in Smyrna. But we pray that when we do need to go there, that we will go with the confidence that it can be according to your purpose and you can still accomplish a good work even through something that might take our life. May we be a powerful witness to you even when the times are dark. May your confidence in us be well-founded in our faith in you. Help us not to be afraid, but to face these challenges with confidence that the first death might touch us, but the second death has no power. In Jesus' name. Amen.